The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Roger, when you were talking, I couldn't help but remember what the wise sage George Carlin said. He said that the caterpillar does all the work, but the butterfly gets all the credit. And so it's a good time for us to keep doing our inner work, but to know that the celebration, that resurrection that we're celebrating today is in formation. And it is Easter Sunday this morning. And it's when we rediscover the story of Jesus. And it happened over 2,000 years ago, and perhaps you feel like you've heard the story 2,000 times. But I invite you into it in a brand new way today, because our own perspective has a lot to do with how we view the story. Uh, One of my favorite ever descriptions of a film in TV Guide was a more sinister description of The Wizard of Oz by TV Guide writer Rick Polito, who said, transported to a surreal landscape, a young girl kills the first woman she meets, then teams up with three complete strangers to kill again. So we could always take a, a story in a brand new way. And for me, The Christ story goes like this. A young man named Jesus has a spiritual birth being baptized by John and he hears a message in his heart that he is the beloved son of God. He goes out into the desert. uh, We're told for 40 days and 40 nights, but it may have been even longer than that. And he returns with the most radical, transformational, challenging teaching that has ever brought, been brought forth in spirituality, it still is challenging today. It's the idea that God is unconditional love and loves everyone with that love and presence. It's the message that you and I can love as God loves by caring for one another. It's a message of forgiving everyone as God forgives everyone. It's the message that there is a kingdom of truth, kingdom of heaven within you and within me. It's the message that the truth shall set you free and that by faith, anything is possible. I can't think of a more relevant message for us today. And yet this teaching is rejected. It's rejected by the rabbis in the synagogues. It's rejected by the townspeople. It's rejected by people in Jesus' family. Disciples try to follow Jesus, but they can't follow the teaching. And so in their own way, they reject it as well. Ultimately, it's rejected by the Roman authorities, and Jesus is put to death. But the good news comes that his body cannot be found, and he returns in spiritual form to his followers. Now, for some of you, it may sound like this is a story you've heard over and over again. And why would the story about someone 2,000 years ago be important now? And I'll tell you why. It's because I believe in my heart of hearts that it's your story too. That his story is your story. That the Christ story is the story of the human spirit. And I don't know about you, but I need a resurrection more today than at any time. We all do. And so there's no more important time to step into the story. Now, what happens after that? There are a lot of different guesses, lots of different understandings about what the return of the Christ spirit or the Christ body may mean. Scholars believe that, followers at the time believe that Jesus would return in their own lifetimes. 
traditional or more fundamentalist Christianity today uh, believes in, in the rapture, this idea that there will be this ultimate battle between good and evil forces where good will eventually win out and Jesus will return to, to bring heaven onto earth. Our Mormon brothers and sisters believe that Jesus actually um, came back and taught in America. Many New Age or metaphysical thinkers actually believe that Jesus married Mary Magdalene and that they had children together. Hippies in the 1960s believed that Jesus came back and nobody noticed him. In Dostoevsky's, and I'm sorry if I butchered the name, uh, work um, called The Grand Inquisitor, Jesus actually comes back during the time of the Inquisition and the Grand Inquisitor who's leading the Inquisition has Jesus arrested and tells him that his teaching is no, no, no longer needed, no longer valid. Now, what I love about our teaching is that what you believe about the return of Christ is totally up to you. But for me, my beliefs have been formed not by listening to the stories about Jesus, which I love, but listening to the heart of what Jesus taught. What did Jesus teach us about faith, about loss, about love, about forgiveness, about eternal life? That's where I look for my clues. You know, one of the criticisms of our teaching is that we're too cafeteria style, that we just pick and choose whatever we want from uh, the Holy Bible or from uh, other wisdom sources. And I think it's a true assessment. But our counter argument would be that that's what everyone does. Just take this beautiful library, the Holy Bible. It has been used to heal, to inspire, to forgive to go deeper than we've ever gone before. And yet we know at times in history it's been used to subjugate, to persecute, to judge or discriminate against others, to think that someone used this holy text to try and defend the practice of slavery in the United States, for example, is, is appalling, but it has nothing to do with the beauty of the words in the text. It has to do with humans interpreting things to fit their own points of you. I love what St. Francis and the Franciscan monks did. St. Francis being one of my favorite teachers of Christianity because he really tried to dedicate himself to practicing the teachings of Jesus, which isn't easy. St. Francis practiced great humility. If he had a jacket on and saw you without a coat in the cold, he would take it off and give it to you. He would give up all of his riches, he was from a rich family, to dedicate himself to only relying on God and spirit. He so loved nature that he's been called the saint of animals because sometimes his followers would see him off preaching a sermon to the birds. Isn't that beautiful? And the Franciscans did a, an outlawed practice at the time called Sorte Biblica, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong as well. And what that was, it was kind of a divination tool where they would flip to a page in the Gospels and just choose a quote. They'd pick three quotes and that would define what their order would live by. Do you want to hear the three quotes? The first, Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Go, sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Luke Chapter 9, verse 3. Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics or coats. 
And finally, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. These three quotes helped clarify how the Franciscans wanted to practice, and they did so and still do so today in great ways. And I love the forgiveness and the mercy that St. Francis embodied one evening because they were fasting. There was one of the monks was, was crying because he was so hungry in the middle of the night. And instead of chastising him or allowing him to cry, St. Francis had all the brothers wake up so that they could all eat together so the man wouldn't have to eat alone. So I love this practice of finding the verses in the Bible that best serve us. And I almost got to thinking, you know, for a mile high church, what's the sorte biblica for us? What would be those three statements that best define our teaching and what we believe about the spiritual path and the role of Christ in our lives? So I did a little sorte biblica myself, and I'll admit it right now, I cheated. Um, but I, I, I found three quotes that I think really sum up who we are and what we believe. The first is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. This to me is perhaps Jesus' most accessible and simple, and yet perhaps his most profound and deep. Because what does it mean to be pure of heart? What does that mean to you? For me, it means to be centered in what is sacred to me. To be pure of heart means to be centered in God. Jesus tells us, where your heart lies, there is your treasure. I don't know about you, but when I become unconscious, my heart gets caught up in finances. My heart gets caught up in uncertainty or fear. My heart gets uh, caught up in, in arguing or conflicting with someone. But when my heart is pure. It's centered on spirit, and it's then that I see God. And the deep mystical message that Jesus is giving us here is that not only do you see God, but you see as God sees. You see as God sees. What a beautiful gift. Be merciful, Jesus says, as your Father is merciful. Jesus is pointing out not that we're God, but that we are all children of God and can live and practice. So when you love God, you don't just care for God, you love as God loves. When you seek God's forgiveness, you're not only forgiven, but you practice God's forgiveness. And again, when you see God, you see as God. You see from that perspective, that panoramic sacred view that holds us in oneness, and we've found the key to spiritual liberation and freedom. The next quote from Luke chapter 11, verse 10. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, it is opened to him. Ernest Holmes had the following to say about this passage. This is one of the most wonderful statements ever uttered. It implies that there is a power which can and will honor your request but it is only as you let go of the lesser that you can take hold of the greater. Only as you drop confusion that you can entertain peace. Only as you transcend doubt and fear that you can be lifted up to the hilltops of the inner life. Seek and find, 
Knock and the door will be opened. What door? What are we seeking? Not anything outside of ourselves, but the spiritual quest within. When we say yes to the sacred, when we say yes to our own deepening, my friends, that's when the true adventure of life begins. You don't have to have some seemingly perfect reality around you. It can be a time right now filled with challenge and uncertainty. There's no better time not to hide within, but to go within and come back out with that secret knowledge, that deep, profound inner knowing that is willing to accept nothing but the greater for ourselves, for those we love, for our communities and this planet. If we have the courage to seek, if we have the courage to ask, if we're willing to knock and see what opens to us. Lastly, from Luke chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus is asking, being asked, when the kingdom of God will come. And he says, uh, behold, it won't come if you look for it. Neither will they say, behold, it is here. Or behold, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This phrase is also used in the Gospel of Thomas and it's expanded upon. And Jesus says, cut a piece of wood and you will find me there. Lift a rock and you will find me there. What is the message of this mystical saying? To me, it means that heaven isn't a place outside of us. It's a truth within us. That when we are willing to discover that truth within ourselves and to know it for each and every person, it is then and only then that we see the kingdom of heaven on earth because it's always been here. It always will be here. But we fall asleep. We grow quiet in our uncertainty. We grow steadfast in our need to be right in our misinterpretations. We become crucified in our sense of false self. But there is that ability to reawaken the rebirth of spirit, the rebirth of our hearts, the resurrection. And so for me and only for me, Jesus' return is already imminent because he never left us. The Christ spirit returns in the heart, the heart of each one of us when we're willing to create a cradle for that divinity to come back forth. Christ returns to each and every one of us who commits to knowing the kingdom of truth within us, that commits to not just loving God, but doing our best to love as God would love, to be forgiving, merciful, to have faith, and to know that the true treasure is something we all share equally, that love of spirit profound, almighty, all around us. The resurrection isn't something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's happening in all of our lives as we die physically or even metaphorically, a loss of identity, a change in relationship a letting go of someone we love. It's then that we're called more than ever to go within to this divine light and experience that rebirth, that reawakening of spirit. There are so many examples of this resurrection taking place for so many. And I just got to choose one today 
but it's the story of a mile-high congregant named Cheryl Beatty. Cheryl's first Sunday was right here, the first day that the sanctuary opened in 2008. We're celebrating 12 years of the Teal Sanctuary this month. And Cheryl had grown up Lutheran and she had converted to Judaism and she shared with me that she just always believed that God was love. That was so true. And when she came here to Mile High Church, that that was so apparent to her that she was just here for weeks and weeks crying, crying by that divine embrace of allowing God to love her and her loving God. So many of us have that story, don't we? And just in January 2019, Cheryl started feeling some pain in her hands and then in her arms. And before you knew it, she couldn't even lift her arms. She went to the doctor and she learned that she had to have emergency surgery. There were vertebrae touching upon her spine. They built a cage around her spine and fused the vertebrae together. They sent her home and she couldn't walk for weeks. And she began to become delirious not knowing at the time that she had spinal fluid leaking, that there was an infection taking place that almost took her life. She would go back to what would become five more surgeries. They learned that she had a um, medicine-denying infection. And she was so grateful to the Anchets University Hospital staff but she didn't know if she was going to make it. And she shared with me a few of the things that she practiced, not knowing if she would live. The first is a prayer, she said. She said, I'd say it a thousand times a day. Every cell in my body knows what to do, and it's going to get me through this. Every cell in my body knows what to do, and it's going to get me through this. Isn't that a good one for all of us? Let's say it together. Every cell in my body knows what to do, and it's going to get me through this. Her second practice was an immense commitment to gratitude, to thank everyone who was helping her, even if they may have been making a mistake, to see everyone coming into her field of energy, her field of support as an angel that was meant to be there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheryl had lost a husband who had been a doctor in 2015, and she shared with me that I just felt his presence there, orchestrating everything. So holding to that deep gratitude. And lastly, this gratitude showed up in a gratitude for the whole of her life, even being willing to accept that she might die. I've lived a wonderful life, she shared with me, and if it's my time to go, I'm so grateful. However, Cheryl knew that she had a grandbaby on the way and wanted so much to be able to experience life with that child. She shared every morning, I'd feel the sunlight come through the blinds and shine on my face. And I'd say, thank you, God, for this day. Feeling the sun, the light of resurrection, the light of the brand new, something that has happened perhaps countless many times before, but always brand new to the open heart, to the open eyes. Cheryl would get home and had a good friend help take care of her 
as she recovered. And I'm so grateful to say how well she's doing now. That friend would now become a partner and she's living a new profound life. And guess what? She gets to spend time with that grandbaby. If that's not a resurrection story, I don't know what is. A a resurrection story for our individual lives, but for the human spirit itself. And as I said, Christ's message for me is so much about the message of the, the story of the human spirit itself. And I don't know about you, but I think we all are called into resurrection this morning. This Easter Sunday, it's a time to allow what needs to go, allow what needs to be crucified to pass, to not fear it, but to know the Father, the Divine Father and the Divine Mother are with us. And it means to accept resurrection as Dr. Roger and Dr. Michelle were sharing before. It isn't going back to what was before but being willing to step in to what is new. Can you believe in a light on the other side of this for you? Can you believe in your own faith to guide you even when you don't know where the next step might take you? Can you give in, not retreat, but step up into that fire, that light, that Christ spirit within you and allow a rebirth of your spirit to occur that can heal uplift, and transcend your life for the better. I believe in it. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. And I believe that his message is that we are all one together. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.